Let him have it, Chris. 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 You're listening to Aerial View, worldwide on the internet. Auspicious beginning. Sure, it's a talk show. You know, people phone in and make a beef. Oh, what about? Whatever happens to bug you, that's what you talk about. Sometimes he agrees with the caller, other times he sets him straight. Did he? Did he really? Tony Franciosi. Did he really date your mom? I don't know about that. Hey, it's me, Chris T. Here on thehoundnyc.com, where every Sunday hound howls at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, followed by Crash in the Party, do up Shop Shop of the Air. With Mark and Miriam bringing you those doo-wops on vinyl. You got those doo-wops on vinyl? Of course we got those doo-wops on vinyl. What do you think? You maroon? Very excited to welcome Lori S. from the West back to the program tonight in just a little bit. We'll head out to uh, Silver Lake and have a nice chat with Lori Tell your friends, tell your neighbors to uh, join us here live 
at thehoundnyc.com where uh, we're going to collect your shitty band stories. If you're like me, you've been in one too many bands. And so uh, you got you got your shitty band stories. Not stories about bands that you went and saw, not stories about the uh, band that your friend was in. Stories about the band that you were in. 760-422-5528. That's 760-I-CALL-A-V, as in Aerial View. That's the name of this program. It's been around in one form or another since Christ left Chicago. When that was exactly, no one can say. I know the show itself started in 1989. And that's a long time ago. Speaking of a long time ago, I will turn 60 on Monday. I can't fucking believe it. When did I get to be 60? Oi. I don't even know what to think about it. It's making me upset. And when I look back especially, I'm like, well, okay, well, okay. What did I achieve? What have I done in those 60 years? Well, I got the hell off of Long Island, that much I know. Achievement unlocked. And uh, I ended up on the radio. 1986. Started Aerial View in 1989. Rode that sucker to an actual career in radio for many years. And I mean on the mic, not behind the scenes. Although I did that too. Met a wonderful woman, got married, adopted a couple of cats, and boom, there you go. Here we are. What a life, huh? I just encapsulated 60 years, and I don't know how many minutes that took. There's a much longer form of my six decades in the last newsletter. You can subscribe to the newsletter. See you next Tuesday, because it comes out every Tuesday, because Aerial View used to be on Tuesdays. It started out on Fridays on WFMU, and then it ended up on Tuesdays on WFMU, a place where I'm no longer welcome. Uh, but Lorias is a WFMU colleague, former WFMU colleague, and she's going to join us in just a few. We'll get caught up with her, what the hell's going on out there. And maybe it'll even be some exciting news. Who knows? But you got a few minutes right now if you want to call in. 760-422-5528. You know what, hell? I'll just leave the phones up, and uh, we'll head out to the West Coast and uh, make happy with Lori. Hello. Hi, Chris T. Is that Lori S. from the West? Lori S. of the West. It's good to talk to you again. It's good to talk to you, too. And uh, happy birthday, preliminary happy birthday to you. Welcome to the 6-0 Club. I'm already there. The big six zero, the big six zero, yeah. How are you finding it? Um, you know, I'm just looking forward to oblivion. <laughs> no, Ob- I mean it's it's fine. <laughs> is that you know, like, is like, that like the really... Sex Pistols bus that says oblivion on it? You get on yeah. it and you go to oblivion. I like it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. Well. You know, like we've been saying, you can take the girl out of jurors, but you can't take jurors out of the girl. Don't even try. Why would you bother? Try. Is my question. That's why, like, you know, I feel like Laureus from the West is kind of inaccurate because I'm not from the West. I'm from New Jersey, born and raised. Yeah. Right. Well, you're out West now, though. Because uh, we both were doing shows on WFMU. Yeah. Good I shows, have, like, not like the crap they have on there now. Like, what was that? When you were, you know, you used to um, book the Freak House. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, you booked my band Crave to play there. And um, I have very fond memories of that, sort of. <laughs> I like the modifier, sort of. Yeah, I I don't I I I have pictures of it, so I know that I was wearing a fringe bikini, and uh, you mean rocking you know, a fringe bikini? I was rocking a fringe bikini and a fringe vest over that, and uh, barefoot on stage at the Freak House. You know, I have a lot of regrets in life. Um, someday I'll list them all in this program, but. One of my big regrets is I couldn't wear fringe past the age of like 10 or 11. It just didn't look good on me. Mm. Like I couldn't I couldn't make fringe work no matter what I did. No, fringe is is my thing. It it always has been. It always will be. I'm always almost always wearing some kind of fringe. Not a bad name for your band if you're just going to play like songs from the late 60s early 70s call yourself there's fringe gotta be what you fringe fringe yeah there's gotta be a band called fringe uh let's look it up let's see i'm gonna i'm i'm in uh, google right now and i'm typing in band named fringe anyone want to bet should we place a wager on this whether or not there is a band called fringe what do you think how much, want, how much you want? How much you want? Fringe. Let's see. Let's see. Or it's at called. Least at some point. It's Maybe called. The uh, it's called the Fringe. There's a band called the Fringe. The Fringe. And they're guys that went to Berkeley School of Music or College of Music. So it's probably long hair music. It's probably sophisticated, and you and I probably wouldn't understand Damn it. Hippies. It is sophisticated music. I don't understand. And then there's a Jewish rock band from New York City called Blue Fringe. Hmm. And wait a minute, ding, ding, ding. There is a band called Fringe on SoundCloud. Shall we? Now I'm dying to hear what they sound like. You think they sound like dog do? Um, I'm going to bet that they are um, kind of like post-punk. Um, you know... Maybe like not hardcore, but hard edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're gonna be wrong on all accounts. I'm sorry. Okay. It's described as electronic music. Oh. Yeesh. What do you What do you think of when you hear electronic music? Let's see. <laughs> Holy crap! This is fringe. Yeah, when Chris, whenever I want to just rock out, I'll put on some fringe. <laughs> yeah, not my, not my, not my thing. Not my jam. Yeah. It might be your jam, but it's not mine. Anyway, Fringe is out of Nashville, Tennessee, and he's got all his crap up there on SoundCloud. All right, I lost that bet because I was willing to bet you, Lorias, that there was no such band called Fringe. But you know, everything's taken. We now live in 2022, and everything's been done. So, anyway, that, bet, this friend. is a good segue into our shitty band stories. Yeah. Segment here. Um, so, you know, I want you to know that um, you know what we we were talk we've been talking about this. Uh, idea of me coming back to radio Mm -hmm. and doing a radio show on the hound nyc and we're getting closer and closer and closer to that my friend and i have to thank you for that because you've definitely been uh giving me the kick in the butt that i need to do this i'm like Amato to your mike tyson right i appreciate you my friend there you go you're such a good friend and uh yeah, we're working on that. So cool. We're that, working on it. That was so the exciting news that, I, I made reference to. I don't want to. people to think that I'm just going to get on and just talk about like negative shit that's happened to me in bands. Although there's a lot, but I mean, I just feel also that um, you know you can go to music school, you can you know attend classes and be like the greatest musician, but there's really no class 
that prepares you to be in a band with other people, how to play nice with others, you know? So um, that is kind of like the, the running theme here. You and I, we found the flaw in the whole school of rock model because ever since the film of the same name and the film was based on an actual thing, but now around the country, there are all these places you could take your bratty little kids to learn how to rock because God forbid they don't do it in the garage like we did. Right. Uh, and Lord knows how much that costs, but I'm grateful at least because I know any number of guitar instructors who get work because of this crap, but they, they, the class they don't have, the syllabus that you and I need to write is how to be in a band with other people. The right. non-music crap. The, not the crap when you're on stage making the music. Because anybody who's in a band for any length of time will tell you that's the only part they care about. The part that makes everything else worthwhile. Because everything else pretty much sucks. Isn't that what you yeah, found? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you know, I've been watching... Um get back the the Beatles documentary just finished it last night it's wonderful and especially if you're a Beatles fan it's great if you've ever been in a band it's really like it, it it's it's timeless really you know i mean they fight but there's just like this love and respect and um admiration for one another's talents you know, and it, and I think that that is key to any successful band, you know. But you know what? There's always, like, an archetype in the band that, um, you know, either will ruin it for one other person and then it ruins it for everybody else. Or, you know, there's just there's certain archetypes and, you know, I come up I've come up with names of them. So, Ooh, I gotta hear this now. Well, like uh, for instance, let's let's try this one. This is a band archetype that came up with way back in the '90s. Um, we call her Statuetta, and Statuetta can be a guy too, but it's kind of a prima donna thing. And the idea is that it's like when you're playing like a live show and there's a ton of people and it's a hot, sweaty club and it's packed. You know, Statuetta is going to rock out because all the friends are there and everything's going great. And, you know, she's feeling it from her friends. But if there's like 10 people there, she just stands there with her back to the audience, doesn't give anything, you know, cuts out of songs, doesn't really care because there's only 10 people there. So, so you know, statuetta as in that kind of attention that she would normally get right after the show of like the congratulations and everything so she is known as statuetta because she stands still like a statue right if there's te if there's 10 people or less in the club yes yeah, she will just stand there like a statue usually with her back to the audience with a puss on her face yeesh nobody, i was in a band and nobody has a good gig Right. And it and, and and here's like rule number 1 for y'all kids if you're thinking about joining a band, when you go out and you play, you play the same show you would for 10 people that you would for 10,000. It doesn't matter. And in fact, those 10 people deserve a better show from you. Not less, but more because they're there to support you. They came to see you. They spent money to come out and check you out and be there and be a warm body in the club. I like it. Put this in the syllabus. We got to do it. I yeah, you made I mean, me think just, of like, a there's so many different things that you know and it and it's like I've been through so many different bands. And well, I've been out can you? There in the by the way, for you, so long and it's like you kind of have to at some point you really do have to know when to walk away. Is walk awesome. away is a powerful move. But you made me think of a of a figure I dubbed the shy guy, and it could be a girl. Okay, but I've been sure. in any number of bands where we struggled to find a singer. Who could get up and sing. And right. not only sing, but be a front person. And yes. I was about to use the outmoded, terribly dated front man. But that's no longer applies. So front person. And I, I'm thinking of this one band I was in. It was called Wrench. And we really could not find anybody. And for a while, I even tried singing. And that's a fucking disaster, right? But we have one guy who did that that Stu Sutcliffe move of singing with his back to the audience. He he would turn his back 
on the audience and hunch over the microphone and quote unquote sing. Now he he wasn't any better than I was as a singer, but at least he was willing to stand up there and do it. But he couldn't face the audience. Shy guy, don't be shy guy. If you're gonna you front the band, be a lead vocalist and be shy guy. You got to have and, LSD. And I love the people that you know when when you kind of confront it. It's like, look, dude, you need to connect with the audience because. You know, no, I'm too scared. I can't. Like, well, that's my thing. Yeah, that's that's my persona. What that's are you? Who I am? What are you I'm being mysterious? Dark, no, <laughs> no, you're being kind of a singer, and it's like, mm, uh, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. By the way, we're only. We're, by the way, Lori and I have mostly been in. And I'm gonna. I don't want to speak for you, but I'm gonna say rock and roll bands. Unless you've been in a jazz trio that I don't know about. We're talking about rock bands, the kind of shit that, you know, they're training you for at School of Rock. By the way, it's probably less about training you for a music career, more about mom and dad getting you out of their hair for an hour. Something tells me. That's what they should really call it. Just at a School of Rock, get out of your parents' hair for an hour. So so this is from my experience. My first band, I was 13, 14. It was called Cobra. Me and Billy Kammerer. Uh, created the band, and I named the band. I came up with Cobra, and I painted the logo on the the uh, the, the front bass drum skin, reverse painted it. It looked really classy. We got a clear front skin for this Ludwig set, and I painted it from behind, you know, and came up with a logo that had a snake head, like a rattler, and then, or no, actually a cobra, not a rattler, a cobra, and and it spelled out the word Cobra. I was very proud of that logo. By the way, kids, you need a good name for your band and a good logo. How's that for more advice? But uh, That I will design for you. You will design. That's right. Uh, go to armadelicious.com if you want to hire Lori. A-R-M-A-D-I-L-L-I-C-I-O-U-S.com. Are you impressed that I did that? Yeah, and you got it Jesus right. Jesus Christ, I got it right, too. That's the best I part. know. Uh, it's not. It's easy. So we've already come up with Statuetta and Shy Guy. Any other archetypes that you've uh, discovered over the years being in and out of bands? Um, The quitter. They usually quit at a very inopportune moment. Like back in the 90s. <laughs> the quitter, uh, I love it. Yeah, the, the, the quitter. The quitter. The quitter. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I was in this band, and we were slated to play CMJ, and um, we were actually, it's probably the closest I ever got to getting signed, um, like really getting signed in, in an original project. You know, we were actually having like at least two or three labels coming out, and they were kind of going to do like what they used to call a bidding war on us, and I was just like, oh my god, it's going to finally happen. And uh, the douchebag guitar player, he quit, like, a week before the gig. What was the uh, reasoning behind the quitting? Did you ever find so out? So his girlfriend, here's the <laughs> who was actually really cool and everything like that, but, you know, um, she she took some pictures of us out in, like, you know, one of those gardens you know, down on the Lower East Side, like a community garden, and so uh-huh. we took a bunch of pictures out mm-hmm. there. Yeah, And, you know, it was like, and I got them back, and they were good, not great, you know? And I was making, like, a quick demo cover, you know, so that I'd have something to give to these guys if they have any other people showing up for the bidding war, and so she called me at work, and I was, like, trying to keep my voice down, you know, my indoor voice. And she's like, so what did you think? And me being me, I just said, well, they were good. Not great, but they're good. And I think I found one that I could use. And she got really upset, and she called up her boyfriend, and she told him that I insulted her because I didn't say that the pictures were great. I was just being honest. Yeah. And so he he just threw... He had an absolute meltdown. Like, how dare you insult my girlfriend? Ooh. 
she's so talented and oh now God. I don't even know if she's going to still take photographs. Wow. Yeah, it was like that. That was the reason he quit. This is Eartha Kitt again. Wow. Now you listen to me, you wide mouth punk. We've heard just about all we want from you. Jeez. Yeah. So he's gone. Yeah. On the, on the eve of your college media journal show. That's what CMJ stood for, didn't it? Yeah, college, college media. media it was journal. college media journal, and they would have a band showcase or whatever the hell every year, and it was kind of like, isn't it now morphed into that thing they do down in Austin, the something West? What the hell is that yeah, called? Yeah, I mean they have like they have South by Southwest. South by Southwest. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Also, they were big for a while, and they had also had the new music seminar. And I think they all kind of morphed into each other. Yeah. Nobody can nobody can outdo South by Southwest. It's just such a multimedia extravaganza. Didn't always start out like that. I lived in Austin for a while. I was in bands there. And at that time, if you were a local band and you wanted to, you got a South by Southwest showcase. Ain't yeah. like that anymore, kids. I mean, really, who the hell? I, this is the thing, you know, even though we're talking about this, it just reminded me of the hell of being in bands and attempting to collaborate with other people because that's the hard part. I mean, when you look at, I mean, maybe Get Back isn't the right uh, measuring stick for this because, hell, that's the Beatles. So, yeah, and famously, they bickered and argued and didn't get along and they had problems with who got credit for what and it's a lot of egos. You're dealing with a lot of egos. Yeah, and, but and it, you know what? In yes. a, on a lower, on a smaller scale, you're still dealing with egos. In yes, even if you're not the Beatles, is that what you mean? Yes. Right. If, whether you're the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, or Fringe. Fringe. <laughs> Jesus Christ! My band, uh, the band that I I I started and named the Nihilistics is still out there. It's still going. I think it just recently, they just recently played a show at Tompkins Square Park or something like that. Wow. And sometimes my ego uh, gets the better of me, and I'm like, hell, you know, that that was my band. That's the band that, that, that I uh, created, the band that I named. I, I don't yeah. get it. But then other times I'm like, you know what? It's not like they're setting the world on fire. They're, it's That band started in roughly 1980, towards the end of 1980, 1981, really. I mean, our, our most active years were 81 to like 84. I left the band by the end of 84. And the fact that they're still flogging that dead horse, I, I find alternately impressive and depressing. Can you, we combine, combine those two words, Lori? Depressive? Depressive and yeah, depressive. That is a word. It is a word. Um, yeah, I, I'm going. I, well, I'm not going through that, but I mean, with like, say, with children in adult jails and everything like that. I know damn well that, like, if they ever had a reunion, they wouldn't invite me, even though I was the one who started that band. That's so, an out of body experience. It really is. It's just. It weird. really. That really is. It's crazy. Do you remember the first time you stood in the audience and watched a band that you either started or were in, or did you ever have that experience? Because I have. Really, yeah. I will not go and support a band who has betrayed me. It's just like <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't hear the music <laughs> over the knife that stuck in my back. <laughs> oh my god. You have to do another show because this stuff's gold. This right here is gold. Shitty right. fan stories as a regular segment. I'm uh, enjoying this. Very cathartic for me. Yeah, I I'm hope enjoying it's cathartic it. Cathartic for you too, Christy. No, I am. Um, I feel good. So I, I don't think I've been in as many bands as you, though. I, I've been in uh, Cobra. So Cobra was like 14. The Nihilistic started around the time I was 18. Then after they were done, I wasn't in a band for a while. I ended up in Missing Foundation for I remember a while. Missing Foundation. I mean, I think I had Missing Foundation on my radio show once. You probably did because they played yeah. at WFMU any number of times. Uh, yeah, and they always he left a mess. Was, was quite, quite the guy. Quite yeah, an interesting person. Well, like all good anarchists, he yeah. managed to never pay anybody and. <laughs> a few years ago, when some record companies started re-releasing the first few 
missing foundation albums, I had to contact them and say, by the way, I'm on those records. I played on them. I contributed to the songwriting. You owe me money. And I had to go back and forth with these twats out in the west on the West Coast who were giving me a whole bunch of grief about how they did their due diligence and they asked Pete. Their due diligence consisted of asking Pete Missing who else in the band might have been, you know, owed money. And he managed to not tell them anything about me. And it or pissed, anybody else, or, I'm sure. It's well, all about him. Well, the most of most of the rest of the members are dead, so I can understand why that wasn't an issue for him. But even if they're dead, you kind of, I mean, the right thing to do is give their cut to their relatives, to the people who survived them. You know, that's, I mean, there there are laws about this kind of thing. And luckily enough, I know a very good lawyer who worked in entertainment law for years. And I contacted him. And I said, hey, I discovered this record label is re-releasing these records that I'm on and no one said anything to me about it and I'm not getting a dime from any of this and he told me what to do you know send them a letter prove to them that you were in the band and that you're on the recordings and they owe you money it's as simple as that I mean they ended up having to cough up three or four hundred dollars it wasn't a lot of money but it's the only money I ever got from Pete Missing so in terms of shitty band stories, man, I have a good one about Missing Foundation. So we used to rehearse in this space in – it was either Williamsburg or what's the town right next to Williamsburg, the, the neighborhood right next to Williamsburg. Uh, uh, yeah, part, not uh, – It's Gardens? Which one? Carroll Gardens? It might – It might have. it was around there somewhere, Carroll Gardens. The one that Green – was it Greenpoint? Is that Greenpoint. what it was? Greenpoint. It was probably in Greenpoint, Brooklyn – that they managed to find this rehearsal space that was on the second floor of a commercial building. And so we get there, I don't know, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. We hump all our shit up the stairs. We set it all up. We rehearse for two or three hours. And then they didn't tell me this, but the downstairs is now locked and closed, and we can't go out the way we came in. <laughs> so now they have to find like a 20-foot ladder... And put it up to this window out of the second floor and have us all, like, climb down the window. And I think we decided, well, we're not even going to take our stuff. Like, I I can't remember if there was an amp already there and I only brought my guitar. But the point of the story is I have a horrible fear of heights, right? And this is a good 20, 25 feet off of the ground on this rickety ladder that they want me to go down to get out of this rehearsal space, right? And initially, these guys thought it was hilarious. The band members thought I was the world's biggest pussy. They stood at the bottom of the ladder. They basically heckled me. They laughed at me. 30 minutes later, they weren't laughing anymore when I refused to go down the ladder. I was like, I am going to stay here overnight. I don't give a shit. I'll sleep in this place. I'm not going down that ladder. There's no way in hell. And then they started pleading with me, and they started being nice to me, and they started encouraging me, and finally I went down the ladder. I got over the fear of falling, because it's not really the fear of heights, it's the fear of falling and dying, and I went down the fucking ladder. It might have taken an hour for me to finally put my feet on this thing and go down this ladder. Have you ever heard of such shit? How does this happen, Lori? Did you have to actually have your guitar... With I, you while you're climbing down this no, ladder? No, I think one of the members of the band, because there was okay, five so or six of us at the time. down there, and they're heckling you. Right. And you're, you're like, like, come on, come on, just put your foot on the ladder. Just... I don't blame you. That is a scary thing. And it's just like, who the fuck decided that it was a good idea to rehearse in a building that locks after a certain hour and you can't get out? That's yeah. Crazy. I mean, it's crazy. And and they and who decides to do that and not tell you? Because it wasn't like they didn't know that at a certain point the, the place is going to be locked and we're not going to be able to go down the stairs. We're going to have to exit through the fucking window. Right. And it remains to this day like I was I was I when I tell you I was really I was losing my shit. I was getting very upset. I kept looking out the window at the ground below and thinking and this ladder and thinking, there's no way in hell. I'm not going to make it. I can't do it. My my heart was racing. I was sweating. I it just 
I mean, if you don't have a fear of heights, you don't understand this. You don't get it. But I, I, I've always had a fear of heights. I can't go up on a ladder that high without starting to think that I'm going to die. So they forced me into this situation. These bastards. Those bastards. Those bastards. And then, and then what, what's my reward for that? I never made a cent from any of the gigs. There was never any money. No one ever handed me any money. I spent my own money to get back and forth to the gigs. I probably drove several people to the gigs because none of them ever had a fucking car. And I was the only one with a vehicle. And ne- and then this record company starts re-releasing the records. And I still don't get a cent. It's the same thing with the Nihilistics, by the way. The Nihilistics have their music, have the music all over, um, you know, iTunes and other places where you can buy it. It's It's available online. I haven't seen a cent from any of that stuff in God knows how long. So when so, you were in Missing Foundation, did you guys ever were you ever arrested with them? Because I remember hearing they used to get arrested all the time. No, I never got arrested, and I tend to think a lot of that stuff was publicity, PR, uh-huh. that you know, pumping up the legend of the band. I I don't know how much of that is true. I know Pete was a troublemaker. He liked to provoke. He was a provocateur. That was his job. Yeah, and. You know, the other guys in the band just want to get together and pound on stuff and make noise, and that's fine. My guitar playing ultimately proved to be too standard for them. I don't know what to call it, but because I played actual chords, mm-hmm. they they weren't into it, you know, and riffs. They, they weren't into it. You bothered and to tune your guitar. Now, here's the thing. If you go on YouTube and you look for Missing Foundation music, the most listened to thing that's on there is a song called Burned Trees, and that's my riff. I, I came up with that, and the whole thing was built around my riff. And I and I have the tape from my rehearsal to prove that it was my riff and I came up with it. And it's the most listened to thing on YouTube by Missing Foundation with people making comments of like, this is a great song, and that kind of shit. So uh, you're welcome, Pete Missing. And by the way, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Just I feel the same way about children in adult jails, dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm like with you. Um, uh, we never got locked in anywhere that we rehearsed, but we used to rehearse at the Livingston YMCA in the playroom. <laughs> we were great. children That's in great. adult jails. Yes, I like so, it. Children yeah, in adult YMCA. sense, and it was like it was a lot. You know, we had to like haul all our gear. You know including like cabinets and stuff like that to rehearse in that room and it, it was a lot and uh yeah yeah well uh, we're talking about shitty I, got screwed. I don't think that they ever owed me any money yeah i, I never really uh, bothered to check on them to find out if they were still playing any of my songs maybe i don't know i don't I don't know. At that point, I was just like, I'm moving on. I don't care that like their whole thing was that like we don't we don't know how to play our instruments. Well, I you know um, we're proud of that. We're proud of that because you know only a snob would learn how to play their instrument. Right, exactly. Uh, So I was just like, we're children in adult jails. Like, yeah, you are. So let's recap. We're talking with Lori S, who uh, I've known since the late '80s for Christ's sakes, and uh, who moved out to California how long ago now? Uh, I moved out here in 1999. I, November wow. 1999, I've been in the same apartment that ever since. That is 23 years. That's pretty wild. Oh, isn't that weird? It is very and, weird. I, and you know what? Like, uh, And I haven't done radio since, but I'm really looking forward to getting back Back in the saddle. Oh, yeah. We're going to really start to flesh out the roster yeah. after, I don't know, how yeah. five years this thing's been going. <laughs> the Hound NYC. And it still consists of the Hound and crashing the Party and me. So it'd be nice to bring somebody else into the fold. Yeah, I've got to decide, like, when and what I'm going to do. And I'm liking where this, like, shitty band stories, maybe not being so negative. Maybe I should call it, like, you know, Tales from the Trenches. No, or no, like fuck that. that. Fuck that. Fuck okay, that. Shitty band it's stories. shitty band okay. stories. Fuck it. Hey. Fuck it. Right. That's what I say. I, I I used to have such an uphill battle when I was doing commercial talk radio on Sirius XM. 
because uh, I, I came up with this idea. It's, this is just emblematic of the way things would go for me. Is I think I called it the states you love to hate. And I was told that hate is such a strong word. You really, we don't want to say hate, do we? Do we want to say hate? And now every book is like, I'm glad my mother died and I couldn't wait to kill my father and all this shit. And I'm like, you know what? I don't, th- I, I, the states you love to hate, it's great. It's a great title for something and it's going to get a lot of buy-in and people are going to call us and tell us about the states they love to hate. So fuck you. And I couldn't make that sale. I couldn't close that sale. I couldn't convince anybody. Hate. Do we have to use the word hate? It's kind of a strong word, don't you think? The word hate. I Fuck see. you. How's that? How's that? All right. I'm going to tell my worst shitty band story. Okay. <laughs> it was uh, right. it was one of the last nihilistic gigs ever. We, as a hardcore band, we didn't make it too far outside of New York City. I'll be honest. We we went up to Massachusetts one time and played a show. And then we get this gig all the way out in New Jersey in a town called Dover at a place called the Show Place, which was a, yes, a go-go I've bar. many times. I actually, uh, Children Adult Jails open for the Dead Kennedys there. Nice. Nice yeah. gig, right? Nice gig. So yeah. we get out there, and there's a, <laughs> there, there's a roster of eight or nine or ten bands on this thing, because that's what they did. We're going to do an all-day show. It'll start at 2 p.m. So we're all the way near the end of this roster. We're, we're, we're almost topping the bill. I can't remember who was tippy-top of the bill. It was probably Kraut, because they topped every goddamn bill, because that's just the way things went. Yes. But in that time, like by the time we got there around two o'clock and got our stuff into the club, the bass player, Mike, who was a childhood friend of mine and horrible alcoholic, could put away a case of beer by himself, started drinking beer and got very, very drunk. So by the time the evening rolled around, he ended up being drunk and belligerent and saying the N-word to a guy in another band who was dating a black woman. Wait, referring he, to he her, didn't say it on stage. No, no, no. He? he said it out okay. in the parking lot. He, okay, it's it, it, there was an incident out in the parking Not lot. Good either. I was there with my friend Alex from the misguided later Das Domin, right? And I know Alex. you know Alex. So I'm standing there watching this whole thing as as Mike gets in this guy's face because the guy is, was leaning on Mike's car or something. Something there was something going on with uh, his van. That's what it was. It was his van, and Mike might have tossed a cigarette, and it hit the van, and the guy said something to him jokingly, and Mike got in his face about, uh, I didn't know you dated N-words, right? And I'm watching this go down, and I get between the guy and Mike, because now I think there's going to be a fight. And this guy, you could probably describe him as a peace punk, I guess. is You remember peace punks? Remember them? Of course. Yeah, I mean, they were kind of like the precursor to Krusty's. Yes, peace punks, and he was not into the violence thing, and I thought Mike is going to punch this guy's lights out. This isn't going to be good, right? Because this is another band on the bill, and this isn't going to be good. So I get between them, and and I'm like, hey, all right, Mike, come on, let's get out of here, let's go. I'm trying to get him away from the site, and he turns on me, and he points at me, and he goes, and you, you're not a nihilistic, and then he punches me in the face. And... It was more, the the hurt was more from the betrayal of the whole thing than the punch. Because the punch didn't land very hard. And it wasn't like he knocked me down. As a matter of fact, he fell down. He fell down, he grabbed his stomach, he started laughing. And laughing like a maniac. Like a maniac would laugh. And I had to go find Ron, the singer, bring him outside. And I'm like, hey... I don't think this, uh... I don't think, I don't think this gig's gonna happen. I, I don't know. He's too... And Ron was like, yeah, he's too drunk to play. And I said, he's too drunk to live. I remember saying that to him. He's too drunk to live. Next thing I know, Ron piles Mike in his Buick (laughs) and drives the hell out of there, leaving me and the drummer to clean up the rest. Like, you get all your shit out of the club. And that was pretty much it for me and the Nihilistics. I remember after that, I think we might have played one or two more gigs. But the handwriting, as they say, was on the wall. And I got the hell out. So. Yeah, well, I mean, at that point, you were definitely wearing the I'm with stupid t-shirt. It's so humiliating when you're with somebody who just, like, goes off like that. It's yeah. 
yeah. then he goes and he turns on you and it's it's almost good it's just like okay well yeah. i mean i grew up on long island and i'm not and... friends with this guy who just said like called her the n-word no <laughs> no yeah well you know mike when he got drunk this really horrible person would come out and it it was sad because we were such good friends in the beginning we were really tight we went everywhere together we went record shopping together we went out to the club together we started a band together i taught him how to play the goddamn bass and this is the thanks i get i understand completely i know I mean, I've been there, and it's just like that feeling of betrayal from another band member, because bands are like kind of like a family, and you don't always get along with members of your family, but when you get betrayed by somebody who is that close to you, it's like, you know, you're sharing something that's very personal, you know? Yeah. And you're making music together, and then it's like you kind of remember your internal voice is kind of like remembering those times that you had such a good time playing and then this person is you really you find out what they're really like and it's just like this disappointment and betrayal and you know it's just that lump in your throat going like wow I, and and I'm for me at least when I find out somebody is like that it's just always like wow I'm such a poor judgment of people I really like this person I really like open my heart and let them in you know um it's good to be vulnerable it's, it, it, listen Lori. it's better to be vulnerable and get hurt than to be the opposite to put the wall up and not let anybody in i i don't want to be that I'm kind of person at that point right now yeah. actually <laughs> yeah what putting the I mean, wall no, up i'm not i mean i'm definitely i've been i've been walking through some feelings lately but mm. um and and I definitely feel them, but I, you know I've been I've been around the block a few times. I've been out in the trenches, and you know when you see these things reemerge, you have to say to yourself, "Do you gotta remember that old adage? The definition of insanity is ex- is uh, repeating the same mistakes and expecting different results." Yes, and pl- the characters in the story might be completely different. But they're playing the same parts, and it's just like, I see where this is going. All and right, no, well, well, I don't want to go there again. Well, let's get another shitty band story out of you before we run out of road here. we got about 11 minutes here on TheHoundNYC.com. I'm going to um, tell you a, a band story that doesn't relate to me. So I wasn't in this band at all, but she, um, she's another archetype, the archetype um, and she kind of fits into the quitter, but at the same time, the quitter also there's certain quitters that just leave, and they're gone, and you never hear from them again. Good riddance, bye, or you know, see you, good luck. But then there's some people that make a big deal about it. They have to go online. They got to tell everybody. Now this was before the internet, and it was this one band, and they were um, that we used to play with a lot back in the 90s and um you know they just they had like you know the one the drummer in the band who was just kind of like out there and they weren't getting along and they were touring and um they'd finally gotten signed they were really like they were on the verge of doing something really big and then they're playing at coney island high and she just stops the song in the middle. She just stops playing. She walks up to the microphone, and while the band and the band is still playing, you know, because even though she stopped, and she puts her hand over the strings of the guitar player, and she gets on the mic and she says, "I have an announcement to make. I quit." And then she jumps off the stage and walks through the crowd, parting it like the Red Seas, and walks out, leaves her drums there, I guess. And everybody is just like, what just happened? Cool. What a cool and, move. Yeah. And, and so um, and it was just like this whole dramatic thing. And, you know, I learned from that just like this is what not to do when you're quitting a band it's just like so unprofessional it's 
and and you've burned a bridge. And not only that, but everybody in your circle is seeing how you act and how immature you're being. And it's like, really? Would anybody here want to be in a band with her? Well, it turns out, yes. Oh, wow. She ended up playing with, with plenty of bands and moving on with, you know, and everybody just thought she was just fine and everything was, was just groovy with her. You know, but she she was super talented. Yeah, she is no longer I mean, with us anymore, and I will not speak ill of the dead. Oh, she's but she's gone. I think she made a lot of really bad decisions. Yeah, and she so she's the um, she's got she's the I have an announcement to make girl. So that's there's another archetype, and we can list hundreds of them who are in bands. It's so interesting that that's but that it's so interesting that that's what you would do. Like you're so pissed off or otherwise. Like, that's your revenge? That's what you do? Really? Hmm. Well, I mean, it's very similar to people who, you know, when they get kicked out of a band or they quit a band, they can't just move on. They Hmm. have to go online and he's like, oh, my God, I just quit this band. And 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 or they say something like and the band is broken up now because I quit, you know, and it's just. Stuff like that, you know. Just, I would call that person the breaker upper. What do you think of that title? The breaker upper. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I broke up yeah. the band. Good for you. Very good for yeah. you. Wow. Good for you. I we really want and and I really want you in my band because you're somebody who's just gonna bring all that drama to it. No thanks. What a baby. Pull shit like that. That's no. that's a baby move, don't you think? I mean, let's face it, Chris T. Um a lot of musicians are in arrested development. This is true. And they yeah. never really want to grow up, never really want to face being an adult. And you can be an adult and still play music and still like I mean, here's a th- here's like, a, here's the thing about my particular to get along and and you know, I mean, yeah, there's always compromises to make. Mm-hmm. But never let yourself be put in a position where you have to be humiliated or you have to or for the sake of keeping the band together, you have to make compromises that just don't sit right where you've made those compromises before and they didn't work out or they went really south. Yeah. There's going to be a load of compromise and on the road to your horizon, as the song says. I like that. Uh, Yeah, but. The the thing is, when you're collaborating with other people, if you don't like them as people, it's going to be really hard to collaborate. So you you initially maybe hang out with these people, hang out with them, see what you think of them, see if you're the they're the kind of people that you like, and if they're not, then why would you try to make music with them? Sounds like she didn't like these people to begin with, because why would you pull that kind of baby crap? Well, I'm going to counter that and yes. say that she loved these people. Yes. Loved them. Okay. Um, and that they and that she has expectations of people that she loves and that maybe perhaps they didn't meet unreasonable expectations. Okay. You know. So the, the expectations were unreasonable then. There's your problem. Yeah, she had unreasonable expectations, but I don't think that she hated them. Or maybe it was like a love-hate kind of thing, like we saw in Get Back. Yeah. Um, oh, that's just, so sad. They it's absolutely it's, loved each other. And yeah. then, you know, when you see, like, you know, where it's just, like, Ringo and Paul sitting there, and both of them are kind of holding back tears, Yeah. you know, because, you know, there was a, a terrible, a, as they call a terrible row Yes, but they they were just and they they were able to kind of come come together again. Yes, just because of the love and the respect that they have musically for each other, and because there was money involved too. I, it's it's difficult to watch that. I mean, that was one of the things that got me through a horrible time at the end of the last year when I had to close down my store because my cousin's a piece of garbage. Uh, but I would go back to this little apartment we rented in Saugerties, and I would fire up get back and especially the final installment when they go up on the roof and the whole thing and it would bring me such joy it would bring yeah. me such joy that it got me through a very bad time so thank you Beatles for that I appreciate that 
But watching what George Harrison had to go through, who is coming to the band with these incredible songs that would end up on All Things Must Pass and, you know, classics now, and he can't get a hearing from John or Paul. They're, they're like, no, that doesn't really work with what we're doing. No, thanks anyway. And you're just, you're thinking to yourself, this, this guy's a genius. He's on par with you two. He's writing brilliant songs, and you're not even listening to them. What the fuck? Well, here's another ground rule for bands, and I really hate to say this because people are just like, no, it's one big thing, and we're all like a unified thing, and we're a democracy. It's like, no, I'm sorry, but bands can't be. You've got to have one person who is at the helm, one person who's driving the car, and everybody else who's in the in the passenger seat has to understand that we're going in the direction that the driver is steering in. Yeah, you have to lay the ego aside a little bit in order to come up with something that is the sum of all of its parts or greater than the sum of all yes. of its parts, right? Yes. That's the idea. Otherwise, be a solo act. Get one of those goddamn foot pedals that makes convincing drum sounds and provides a bass line. You know, go and busk or something by yourself. Be an organ grinder. Be an organ. We You're should the monkey. And <laughs> is that now considered like? Is would that now be considered uh, cultural appropriation? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if you could do that. Be anymore. an organ grinder. Yeah, organ grinder. Get him a get a yeah, robot monkey. I mean, no. I mean, I guess I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I didn't know that it was like limited to one race or. Creator I, color, was, but, I think it was Italians uh, that did that. I mean, you know, it's like if you're gonna like <laughs> classify like you know street artists, then like mimes are are always like white people. So yeah, I like mimes because they know how to shut the fuck yeah. up. Some of my favorite people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, well, yes. we have used up all of our time. Look at that. Can you believe all our all our time is used up? I, you know what I was saying, like, oh yeah, shitty band stories is just going to be a subsegment of my show, and it's just like maybe not. There's so much to talk about. No, you and I managed to get out a few, but there's so many more, and I really do hope uh, we keep moving you towards uh, doing a show, and it could it's be a regular thing. Chris. It's happening. I'm like, I am so close to it. It's it's ridiculous, and you know. I'm I probably it's going to be a mix of talking and music. That's good. That's what you yeah. want. You want to break it up, break up all the talk with some music. Yeah. And, I uh, mean, used to be on WFMU. I would let the music do the talking for me about what I had to say politically or mm -hmm. about life. And but now you kind of have to rise above the fray and you got to tell people what it's about. Mm -hmm. you know, the yeah. It is. Tell it like it is. All right. In the meanwhile, where can we find you? Tell us again about Armadelicious.com. Armadelicious.com is my umbrella website that kind of covers my artwork. And it covers whatever band I happen to be in at the time. Very cool. <laughs> yes. Um, and the artwork that goes along with the bands. because And that's a whole other show we can do on just the visuals, the vision of a band and what the sound is supposed to look like. I like it. Meanwhile, here's uh, Burned Trees being created in real time. The riff is going to kick in in just a minute. I want you to stay on with me while we... Dissect this together, Lori, in the minute that we have left. What do you think of this so far? Can you hear that? Yeah. Here it comes. It's going to kick in. Stick around. Any minute now. I'm still working on it. All right. This is, it's almost there. It's just about cooked. I actually like this better than the one that ended up on the record. All right, Lori, I'm going to say goodbye. Good talking to you. Lori, great talking to you. Thanks, Christy. Take care. This is the HoundNYC.com. Stay here for more Hound shows.